Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. of the Lord. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. Amen. I am, I love the Lord. We've been singing about the word. We've been singing the word tonight. Amen. I appreciate the word of the Lord. I love, I love the church. Amen. I haven't always made the right decisions, haven't always turned in the right direction. But I'm very thankful for the church. It's been the catch net. It's been the guardrails. <laughs> it's been hope when there was no hope anywhere else to be found. I'm thankful for the church. I want us to pray over the word of the Lord. And I'm going to read perhaps tonight in the course of our message tonight a little more scripture than I customarily do. But I want the Lord to touch our heart and our lives. We're going to the book of First Kings chapter 7, and uh, we'll start there, but we'll be going other places throughout, so if you'll just stay with me, and I believe the Lord will speak something and can do something for us. Amen. Aren't you glad you won and you came tonight? You're not here because there was no obstacles. You were not here because there was no other, uh, no, no, no other thing pressing in your life you're here because amen you're here because you want to be you're here because you won you won amen lord i love you tonight thank you very much for the incredible and awesome privilege to be with this company and this body of believers we thank you almighty god for your presence and your power we thank you for the spirit in our praise and worship that has been so pure I thank you for the freedom and the power, Lord, the unrestricted flow of your presence that we have felt from the very first note. And I ask you now, almighty God, to touch this word to our heart. Touch my mind and my lips tonight, not because I deserve it, but your word is true. And I'm asking you to help me declare that truth tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. What a privilege, what an incredible privilege to be in church. Church is all I have ever known. And I mean that from my heart. Raised in church. And um, that doesn't make me have wings or a halo. But I was raised in church and I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I, I didn't always know to be thankful for that. and um, But I'm thankful for the house of the Lord. I'm thankful that my parents and family and friends and associates have been waving me on all of my life, encouraging me that great cloud of witnesses that are not just in the sweet by and by, but I'm thankful for that witness that is here, those encouraging voices 
The church is not a perfect entity. No church is a perfect entity because it has humanity as a part of it. And so when man is involved, there's just destined to be flaws. But I want to preach this evening from this subject, what I found in the church. What I found in the church. I don't know if that's the best title for this or not. I just want to talk about what I found in the church. But when I was thinking about this a few moments ago and wrapping up everything, I thought about that phrase, what I found in the church. There was a number of years ago, the pastor is, uh, has passed on now, but a number of years ago there was a man that pastored in the northern part of our nation, a large city, an extremely large church. And I used to really enjoy watching their services and... Uh, they would air their Sunday service on Monday. And uh, so I would tune in online and watch their services. And uh, this elderly man was a very eloquent speaker, uh, a very large apostolic church. And uh, they had an auditorium that would seat 4,500 people. And uh, he would say often in his opening remarks, he would always be reading a little piece of paper. And they had their new facility, which, of course, they were having services in, faced one, one street on, behind them, their old facility, faced the other street. And he would say, we're very thankful that you were able to get into the main sanctuary tonight or today. And then with this little piece of paper, he would always say, and we're very thankful, and he would number or give the number of the people that were tuning in with closed-circuit television in the other building. That number was always around 1,200, 1,300 people that came to church, and they were in the other building. Very impressive facility. They had everything that you would ever dream of wanting, a wonderful choir and musicians and, and all the trimmings of church. And he was a very polished and a very eloquent man and an eloquent speaker. And so I was rather caught off guard one night, one night when I was watching the service from the day before, and uh, he started pastoring just a little bit, and he said, we need to realize this is the house of God, and we need to treat it as such. We don't need to be eating and drinking in the sanctuary. And uh, he said, went on to say of a few things they had found in the church, and he said, in the other day, some of our ushers found chicken bones in the songbook rack. And he said, we don't need to be eating chicken <laughs> during church. So when I thought about my sermon title tonight, what I found in church, I just want to let you know, so far, I haven't found any chicken bones. I've found almost everything but that, but we haven't found any chicken bones. That's not what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about what I found in the church. In the book of 1 Kings 7, verse 48, the Bible says, And Solomon made all the vessels that pertained unto the house of the Lord, the altar of gold and the table of gold, whereupon the showbread was. And the candlesticks of pure gold, five on the right side, five on the left, before the oracle, with the flowers and the lamps and the tongs of gold. And the bowls and the snuffers and the basins and the spoons and the censers of pure gold and the hinges of gold, both the doors of the inner house, the most holy place, 
and for the doors of the house to wit or to know of the temple. So was ended all the work that the kings that King Solomon made for the house of the Lord. And Solomon brought in the things which David his father had dedicated, even the silver and the gold and the vessels did he put among the treasures of the house of the Lord. My goodness, what an eloquent house is painted for us. I enjoy reading the book of First and Second Kings. I enjoy reading about the things that Solomon felt impressed of. This is what we need to give to God. Right down to the hinges upon which the door swung. Gold, gold. When you read through the book of First and Second Kings, there are just many fascinating stories and some of them are as impressive as what I'm reading tonight. Others are just very bizarre, somewhat very strange, no matter what setting, that setting or in the 21st century. One such story is found in the book of 2 Kings chapter 11. So I'm going to do the Reader's Digest ver version of this story, but there are some powerful lessons for us here. In 2 Kings chapter 11, we read about a woman by the name of Athaliah. Now, Athaliah was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And if you know anything about Ahab and Jezebel, you don't really need to say much more than that. Because with that kind of DNA running around in your veins, there's hardly any way to come out on top. If you know them, if you know their story, then you know that they were two very despicable characters in Scripture, so it only stands to reason that they would, that they would give birth to a daughter that would have some of those same characteristics. And so in a, in a senseless act that in all reality defies any measure of logic, Athaliah seeks out to destroy, to kill all of her male grandchildren and so we can't even imagine harming anyone much less our own no, no, not sure exactly what her thinking was but, but when she set this order in place to destroy all of her own male grandchildren one of her daughters took her son one of the grandsons a, a young man by the name of Joash and she hid him not arbitrarily do we discover in Scripture. I do not believe that irony has anything to do with this, but she hid Joash in the house of God. I'm thankful for the house of God. What a wonderful place to hide something in the house of God. So in the house of God, the priest of the temple led by Jehoiada protected young Joe Ash, and they nurtured him, and so they trained him, and, and they groomed him. They set the moorings of his life. He was destined to be the next king of Israel, and all of the things that took place in his life to position him for this next level of his life took place in the house of God. I am personally thankful, and I speak tonight, but I believe I could speak for myself, but I believe I could speak on behalf of many, if not all. I'm very thankful for the voices that have been in my life through the church through the years. Sunday school teachers that taught principles of scripture and 
in Old and New Testament characters alike that were brought to life through the anointed, eloquent words and the ability of organizers that took place in my life. Uh, and we, we're, many of us are right there where somebody taught us principles, fundamental things that we carried with us throughout all of our life. And so it all happened for Joash in the house of God. He would grow up to be a godly king and he loved God. And according to the scripture, the, the Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of God. I firmly believe it had everything to do with the trajectory of his life that was set when his mother said, I'm going to hide you here. And here there are going to be some principles. Here there are going to be some things that are instilled in you, nurtured and groomed, if you please, in the house of God. Joash raised in the temple. He was going to be the next king. However, Jehoiada knew this, that once Athaliah finds out that this child is in the house of God and once she discovers that she has in fact been deceived, she's going to do everything within her power to come into the temple, to storm the temple, if you want to say, and she's going to try to, despite the fact that he was hidden in the house, She's going to do everything within her power to destroy him anyway. So Jehoiada sets a plan in motion, 2 Kings chapter 11, verse number 4. 2 Kings chapter 11, verse number 4, the Bible says, And the seventh year, and the seventh year Jehoiada sent and fetched the rulers over hundreds with the captains and the guards and brought them to him in the house of the Lord. And he made a covenant with them, and he took an oath of them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. So he said, here's what this meeting is all about. It's about the king's son. And he commanded them saying, this is the thing that ye shall do. And so he sets an incredible organization in motion. He said, a third part of you that enter in on the Sabbath shall be even keepers of the watch of the king's house. And a third part shall be at the gate of Sir, and a third part at the gate behind the guard. So shall ye keep the watch of the house that it be not broken. So he takes the captains of the guards and he says, I'm going to station you at the entrance of the temple and your job is to keep the intruders out because we place something here for safekeeping and we didn't want him to just be safe for a few hours or a few days. But just in case someone breaks through the barrier, just in case someone penetrates what we have set in motion in verse number seven, he said, in two parts of, of all you that go forth on the Sabbath, even they shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord about the king. And ye shall compass the king round about. Every man with a weapon in his with his weapons in his hand and he that cometh within the ranges let him be slain and be ye with the king as he goeth out and as he cometh in and so I don't want people just at the guard at the door rather I don't want people just on the outside but I need also a third of you to just stand with weapons in your hand and as somebody gets within the ranges, if somebody gets within that point of no return, you are to take them out, no questions asked. Amen, no questions asked. And so 
And the Bible says, and the captains over the hundred did according to all the things that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And they took every man his men that were come in on the Sabbath and with them that should go out on the Sabbath and came to, to Jehoiada the priest. And then verse number 10, the Bible says, and the captains over the hundreds did the did and the captains over hundreds did the priests give King David spears and shields here it is that were in the temple of the Lord amen so here is what you need you're going to find protection but you're also going to find what you need in the house of the Lord you may remember in my opening text I read about the things that Solomon had placed there Amen. And that's what these men used to fight the enemy of God. With these dedicated weapons, they slew Athaliah and Joash because of that could remain the king of Israel. So what a powerful lesson there is for us, all of us, to realize that what they placed there for protection as a child, they also put something in place to safeguard them. I've met a lot of people through the years that had a lot of negative things to share about the church, about things that had happened against them and to them, and I'm not here to, to validate nor invalidate any of those stories, but I want to tell you tonight that, that amid everything wrong that has ever happened in the church, I'm thankful for the power of God that has been a safe haven and a safekeeping. I'm gonna tell you there's no one exempt from scars. There's no one exempt from bruises. There's no one exempt at times from just being out and out done wrong. But I will tell you tonight that in the house of God, I have found so much more healing than I have hurt. I have found so much more wealth than I have pain. I have found so much more help and acceptance than I have rejection. I just made up my mind as for me and my house. I'm gonna serve the Lord. I'm gonna realize that it's made up of humanity. I'm gonna realize that we may not always get it right. I'm gonna realize that every decision is not gonna be a decision that suits me or my opinion. But I love the Lord and I love his house and I love his work. I found some wonderful things in church. I have found hope when I needed it. I found healing when I needed it. I found direction when I was wayward. I found strength when I was weak. Thank God for the church. There are people in life that are trying to fight their spiritual battles with their own weapons. I will do it with my intellect. I will do it with my own strength. I believe tonight if I could say anything, if I could make anything, any announcement on a world stage, it would be this. You need to lay down your own weapons and your own wisdom and your own ways and you need to come to church. Amen. Our hope is not gonna be found in anything that can be offered us, anything in this world, but our hope is gonna be found in the church. In the church, we're gonna find everything we need to be victorious. God is not gonna rush ahead of us. The Lord didn't run in here at 7.20 tonight trying to make sure everything we needed was here. I'm gonna tell you what we needed was here before our feet ever hit the ground this morning. 
I'll tell you further than that, everything we ever needed was in the church before we were just a thought or a twinkle in our mom and dad's eyes. It was already here. Amen. God already has everything in the church that we need to fight our battles. And so I need to put down my own ideas. I need to set aside my own philosophies. I need to lay down my own weapons. And I need to get into the house of God. I don't need you tonight to get up and run around and shout or jump up on the back of the pew, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm preaching to people that when we were down and out, the enemy of our soul said, you need to stay home tonight. You need to not worship when you get there if you even get there. And that is all the more the reason we need to be wise and have the spirit of discernment to say, wait a minute, if the enemy is trying to keep me away, he knows there's something, there's a treasure, there's a strength. You may not find it in the song. I'm gonna be honest with you. You might not even find it in the sermon, but what you're looking for might be in a handshake that somebody gives you in the foyer and a word, amen, encouragement, hallelujah. It's not all bound up here on the platform. It's not all bound up here in the leadership. It's not all bound up here on people who have titles, but I'm gonna tell you what you need, may, you may find in the aisle of the church. Hey, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It may be somebody that just hugs your neck and the spirit of impartation, amen, strength goes into weakness, power goes into powerless, hallelujah. It is a treasure in the house of God. Don't just think it can be in one place. Don't just think it's gonna be in one song. Don't just think it's gonna be in one speaker. I'm gonna talk about what I found in the house of God. I wanna tell you what I found in the church. Amen, yeah. Yes, there were gossipers there. Yes, there were seeds of discord. There are those that would sow seeds of discord, but that's not where I'm gonna put my attention. And that's not where I'm gonna make my investment. Hallelujah. Among those that were talking about other people were those that were talking to God about people. Among those that were sowing things that were wrong were people that were planting something that was right. I found some wonderful things in the house of our almighty God. Ooh, I love what I have found in the church. I love what I have found in the church. It's already placed there. The weapons of our warfare, already there. Amen. I'm gonna tell you, I don't wanna shatter any hopes or dreams or any uh, illusions that you may have, but when you're going to visit someone and you walk in their home and everything's just right in place, you might notice a little sweat over their lip and a little sweat on their forehead because while you were getting out of the car and walking in, they were still running around. They just opened the door and smiled and said, welcome. And you think it's like that 24-7. <laughs> but come back in a few days and the cat might be off the toothpaste. Dishes may be in the sink. Garbage may be needing taken out. But you see, when we got here tonight, the Lord wasn't hassling out of breath. He'd been running around here trying to make sure we had everything we needed. God knew what we needed when we walked in this building and it was already here. There was a time in David's life when he was running from an, another enemy. This enemy was not from without, but from within. It was his predecessor, Saul. 
And so David came to the house of God. 1 Samuel 21. In verse number 1. And David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David. And said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded thee a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I, I, I send thee. And what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. And then David says, now therefore, what is under thine hand? He said, give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or, or what there is present. If there's not five loaves, in other words, just give me what there is. Give me what there is. And the priest answered David and said, I, in essence, I'm sorry, sir. There is no common bread under my hand or there is no common bread. He's not really talking about under his hand, but there's no common bread under my charge. But he said, there's no common bread, but there is hallowed bread. <laughs> so the priest gave him the hallowed bread for there was no bread there but the showbread or the hallowed bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. And so I read that to tell you this, that David himself came in physically famished and he said to Athaliah, he said, sir, I'd like to have five loaves of bread, but if you don't have five loaves of bread, I'll take whatever you have. And he said, I'll tell you, sir, you may find this a little disappointing, but there is no common bread here, but there is some hallowed bread. David came into the house of God thinking, I just need some natural bread. But the priest said, there's no natural bread, but there's some spiritual bread. Amen, I'm gonna say tonight that more than one time we walked in the house and we walked in these very doors and sat perhaps right where you're sitting tonight. And you think, I need thus and thus, and I need this, I need that. And, and somebody got up and it wasn't the song you thought it was going to be. It may not have been the preacher you thought it was going to be. It may not have even been the sermon that you thought it was going to be. You came in for something natural, but God said, I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to give you some spiritual bread. He came in for natural bread. Amen. I want to tell you that that wasn't all he got. He, David said in verse 8, he said, Ahimelech, is there not here under thy hand a spear or a sword? He said, because I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. I was in such a hurry when I left home, I forgot my sword, I forgot my weapons. I'm here empty-handed, hey, hallelujah. And the priest said, well, the, to the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, and it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, then take it, hallelujah, for there is no other save that here. And David said, well, I'm gonna tell you, I came for natural bread and I got spiritual bread. I came and I thought I just need to borrow a pocket knife, but you're telling me that the sword of Goliath is here. He said, I will take that because there's none like it. I'm gonna take that because I'm getting more than I ever thought I was gonna get. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We have walked into a house of God more than one Wednesday night when our bones were weary and our body said we ought to sit out and we ought to stay home. But when we got there, we thought, my Lord, just a little bit of grits and a little bit of gravy is all I need to get by. But God said, I got so much more than that. Hallelujah. 
hallelujah, you came with a weapon or for a weapon, but I've got something greater. I'm talking about what I found in the church. I came looking for one thing, but God has given me so much more. So God has given me so much more. Amen. Here's what David found when he got to the house of God. The weapon he needed was there all along. I'm sorry to wear out this illustration, but nobody ran in 15 minutes ahead of time, propped that in the corner. It was there all along. What you needed tonight was there all along. I believe that's why David could, could pen words like Psalms 20. And one, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the, of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Where are you gonna find your strength? He said he's gonna help you from the sanctuary and he will strengthen you out of Zion. In Psalms 96 and 6, he said honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. David had, had been helped in the sanctuary so many times before until he knew the importance of going to church. He said the help is gonna come from the sanctuary. So he knew the importance of being in the house of God. And so that's why one of the greatest lies that Satan can tell us is that we don't need the church. And there's a lot of people that feel like I don't need the church that me and Jesus will just work this all out and I can do this from some remote location and I'm not referring to the day we're living in but I, we can just do this from some remote location I don't have to go in any corporate place of worship I don't have to do any of those things but I want to tell you something if you knew what I found in the church there's nothing that could keep you away if you knew what these people tonight found in the church hallelujah amen I want to tell you I found some wonderful spiritual things but I found some wonderful marvelous natural things as well I think of the wealth of friends that God has brought into my life. And it was the vehicle of the church. That's what connected us and brought us together. God works through his church and he protects the church and he speaks of the church. The word church appears some 80 times in the scripture. The first time, of course, is in Matthew 16 and 8, 18, whenever the Lord himself said to Peter upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it I'm thankful for the church when Jesus established the church he didn't establish it in a fog or in some vapor but he established the church in victory he didn't say the church would be perfect he didn't say the church would be without persecution he didn't say the church would be without trial but the safest place to be is in the church because that's what God sanctioned it's already destined to overcome one day, one day we will be without spot or wrinkle, but it's not right now. It is not right now. But despite our imperfections, we are still happy to be in the house of the living God. And one day the Lord is coming back for his church. The church was established by the Lord and had the breath of life breathed into the church by the Holy Ghost. The church was not the mindset of man but it was God that established the church. 
The church was perpetual, began by the Lord, breathed life on into by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was perpetuated by the apostles in the New Testament as the New Testament church began to spread. The church is still the medium through which God speaks. It is here that God anoints his preached word. It is in the church that God honors the laying on of hands of the elders and brings comfort and brings strength and brings encouragement and guidance and, 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 and all manner of things come with the church. I just want to tell you, be encouraged tonight and stay with the church. In the Old Testament, the saints were responsible to bring something to the temple. Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 39 the Bible says, for the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of corn, of the new wine, and the oil unto the chambers where all the vessels, where are the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers and we will not forsake the house of our God. Now, one verse, Nehemiah 1039, just one verse. So much strength can come to us from this one verse. Because he said the children of Israel, the children of Levi, they're going to bring the corn and the new wine and the oil and they're going to bring them unto the chambers where there are vessels in the sanctuary and the priests are going to minister and there's going to be porters and there's going to be singers and and he said, we will not forsake the house of God. You see, the saints that came in and they brought something with them when they came and they blessed one another and they were blessing one another by the contribution that each person was bringing to the house of God. They were fed by the offerings and by the input of other people that were there and that's what's so powerful about the church. And that's what's so incredible about being here tonight is that each one of us should not ever think that we could, should come to the house of God just wrung out and worn out and nothing. We should bring something with us because when we bring something with us, we're not just gonna bless the Lord, but we're gonna bless others. Hallelujah. I'm glad tonight that when we got here, we had musicians that could play. And so I say, play on. I'm glad that we had singers that could sing. And so I say, sing on. Make your contribution. And you know what? They were not playing to themselves. They were not playing to impress anybody. But while they started playing their musical instruments, can I get a witness? Somebody out here that couldn't hit a key of G, if your life depended on it, was blessed. And when the singer started singing, I mean right on pitch, everything just right. Somebody here that couldn't carry a tune in a wheelbarrow was blessed. Hallelujah. And so I say let the players play and let the singers sing and let the teachers teach and let the <laughs> and let the preacher preach and let the organizers organize and let the administrators administrate. Let the leaders lead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want to come to house of God with nothing in my hand. I want to say I'm not just coming to bless God, but I'm coming to bless my brother. I'm coming to bless my sister. Woo, hallelujah. My, my, my. Somebody said, I, I can't play or I can't sing or I may not do this, but I'm going to 
worship and I've been blessed when I just looked out and I saw somebody else lifting their hands and loving God because somebody said, I am gonna bring something with me to the house of God. These are the things that I have found in church. My, 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 my. <laughs> oh, I found testimonies that that just can't be paled in the church. Praise God. And so we want to dedicate those talents and our abilities and, and our contributions, whatever they may be, we want to do that and bless the church. I, I want our musicians, if you will, to come. I have just a, a, a little ways to go, but I want our musicians to come. One writer said it best. He said, worship in our churches normally dictates for the pastor and or church leaders to officiate. However, the New Testament church was filled with participation. Not entertainer, spectator. But the New Testament church is filled with participation. I'm gonna read 1 Corinthians 14 and 26 just out of a more modern English version. The scripture says, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. He said, let all things be done for building up. So when we come together, he said, we ought to all come together with something. Some's gonna come with a hymn. Maybe some come with a lesson. Some's gonna come with a revelation. Some may come with a tongue, another with an interpretation. But he said, let all things be done for the building up of the church. And so I'll tell you what every ministry and what every minister of the church should be doing, that's edifying, lifting up, Amen. I believe that there is a pastoral ministry in every church for reproof and instruction. And that is not the job of Sunday school teachers or lay ministers or that's not the job of somebody else that just, just thought it was their job. But everything ought to be done for the edification, lifting up, encouraging. Amen. If I could remember the whole story, I would... I would tell it now, but I remember my aunts, my Aunt Bobby used to tell a story about somebody one night in church gave a, a message in tongues and just a busybody tried to interpret it. <laughs> you remember that? So I'll bring you the microphone and you can tell. <laughs> you don't remember it that well, right? And so somebody just tried to intercept, or, or did, I suppose, <laughs> intercept what was going on. And they were just trying to get a, a message across the aisle, somebody else, you know. <laughs> That's not what tongues and interpretation is all about. That's not... <laughs> That's, that's not what our, our, our song should be about. That's not what it, about any portion of our service should be about. It should be let all things be done for the lifting up, for the edifying. And so when we come and we bring the right gift with us, 
We're going to walk away lifted up. You're going to bring a gift that's going to encourage somebody. You're going to bring a gift that's going to change their their mind. You're going to bring it. Don't, you know what? Sometimes we're held hostage because we don't think we have enough to bring to the table. And when we were traveling, my mother, my mother would send our son. I'm not sure how often this happened, but but it was with a with a sense of regularity. My mother would send a card to our son who was just a just a child, and in that in that card would be one stick of gum. One, one loan, not a pack of gum, one stick of gum. You couldn't steal that memory from him. With, with, you don't have the power. Our military, the U.S. military forces don't have the power to rob that memory. I don't have any idea of the method to the madness. I mean, he always loved gum. And she knew that he loved gum and he would chew every stick in one pack and so maybe that's why she sent one stick at a time. I don't know. I think I'm putting it together. I'm getting a revelation while I'm... <laughs> Somebody, thank you. Somebody brought the revelation tonight with you. <laughs> we think we don't have enough to give, anything adequate to give. But I'm gonna tell you, you there was a marked difference in the life of that young man when he tore into that card. It didn't matter what was on the card because he knew what was in the card. There was gonna be a stick of gum from grandma. There was gonna be something there. Can I tell you tonight? It ought to be lifting up. We need to encourage one another. We live in a world that is so torn and people tearing down and trying to tear up. Amen, I wanna tell you, I'm thankful that when we come to the house of God, I'll ask you to stand and I'm gonna hurry through this next part. Amen, too many people think they can make it on their own. We need the church and we need one another. In the, in the King James Version of the Bible, some 484 times you read this one word together. I know I have probably shared this through the years and other messages, but the Bible says, I'm just gonna name a few. <laughs> Amen, before I launch onto this, I don't want you to think I'm going 484 times, but just a few of them to underline it. Let us exalt his name together. Gather my saints together unto me. We took sweet counsel together. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Break forth into joy, sing together. Amen, the Bible says all that believed were together. Peter and John went up together and when they had prayed, the place was shaken because they were assembled together. Amen, I can go on and on and on. I don't have 484 references with me tonight, but I could go on and on and on. The point is, is that when we make it to the other side, hallelujah, I don't know what heaven is gonna be. I don't really understand the ins and outs of it. Don't be disappointed by that. I'm just being honest with you. I know that we're gonna know even as we're known. And I believe that somehow it is possible for us to realize that on the other side, when we get there, there's gonna be one consolation. It won't be the battle scars. It won't be the disappointment. It won't be the days that we were discouraged. We're just gonna be able to look at one another and say we did this together. I didn't do it in a vacuum. I didn't have to do it alone. I didn't have to try to pray myself out of every valley. I didn't have to try to pull myself out of every rut. But we did it together. Together. We did it together. No, the church is not perfect. It has its faults and 
Amen. But it, it, but it is an institution that Jesus said would be victorious. Amen. So I want to fall in love with the church all over again because I found some wonderful things at church. <laughs> There's something powerful that happens when the people of God get together. Now, I'll be honest with you. There have been times that we've had services where we weren't together. I've preached to congregations. I've preached in this house when we weren't together. We weren't together for the singing, so we just got through the song service. <laughs> we, just, we just got through. And weren't you glad when you sang the last verse? It's okay. <laughs> weren't you glad when you set that guitar down and you walked away from the piano and said, Ooh, tough crowd tonight. Um, maybe you didn't see this coming. But I'm going to tell you, I've closed my Bible more than one time and thought, Ooh, glad we got through that. You know, it's, it's a lonely thing when you're preaching a message that has a point and you've got to get to the point and you're alone. And you just can't stop halfway because none of it's going to make sense. You've got to just keep trudging on. I should have just hushed while I go, shouldn't I? You can take that same song when we're together. And I'm telling you, the first strike of the key, there's something that just flows. There's something that just moves. And can I tell you that that doesn't always just happen in services. Bear with me now. Sometimes for a church, it happens in seasons. Seasons. We've walked through seasons of dryness. But aren't you glad you kept walking? Because there was a season of reward coming where the Spirit of God would flow and His presence would move. Oh, my, 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 my. Let's entertain what we feel right here because God, I believe, right now will visit this word with demonstration if we'll just entertain His power and presence. Don't be in a rush. Let's sing this. Let's sing this. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.